Hey ladies and gents and welcome to the Controlled Interests Gamecast where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. As always, I'm joined by Jordan. Hello, Jared. Video games are cool. Uh, yeah, unfortunately no Dom this week. We'll have him back next week. It's going to be a fireside groove this week. Um, yes, yeah, so let's hop right into what we've been playing. For me, I had two major games I played this week, Celeste and Monster Hunter World. Um, I don't want to get too much into the actual story of Celeste, because I know you haven't had a chance to play yet, Jordan. Um, but well, what I can say is, um, so far through the game, I think the high praise it's been getting has been justified, in my opinion. Um, you know, platformers are one of my favorite, if not my favorite, genre of video games, uh, when I actually sit back and think about it. And this one, I think, just feels right. Um, one of the discussions people have is uh, plat using uh, playing platformers with a D-pad or a joystick and that's one of the, actually the big divisive topics in like the platforming uh, community is you know there's people that are like no you only use a d-pad if you don't use a d-pad you're not playing platformers right personally yeah personally I have to disagree with that um, <laughs> yeah and the funny and interesting thing is that Celeste seems like it's a platformer designed for the joystick not for a d-pad um, because of the type of movements you have to do and it doesn't seem like it, it, it fits well with deep D-pad interaction. Whereas you can make the argument with like Mega Man or like classic platformers that like the D-pad makes sense. And obviously it was designed purposely that way. Um, with Celeste, can you like, do like a diagonal jump with the stick? Uh, yeah. Uh, that makes sense, yeah. The, the power is like her dashing power is uh, omnidirectional. So you kind of have to be able to, you know have a little bit more precision in where specifically you're going, especially with some of the puzzle elements. Um, and I just don't, personally, I don't think it fits well with the D-pad. It's not so much like a, this doesn't feel right thing. It's like, I don't think the game would work right. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, when you get into that much range of motion and direction, then, yeah, I think you kind of uh, lose that rule of having to use the four-direction D-pad just because um, usually I would be in the camp. I'm actually like, kind of a purist on that just for myself personally like yeah, you play yeah. your games how you want to fucking play them but yeah for me it's like if i even catch myself on the stick i'm like no no what are you doing man go back to the d-pad but for this makes total sense yeah i think partially that has to do with the fact as well that like growing up i i played obviously super mario brothers and a lot of those nes snes games but i never owned one of those systems so the oh, okay. primary control was never a d-pad when I started getting into gaming, it was the PlayStation and then the PlayStation 2 and then the Xbox 360 where they obviously do have D-pads, but a lot of the games focus more on analog stick control. So I think that's mm -hmm. what it is, where I just feel more comfortable with it. And yeah, it's a thing. Play how you want to play. Um, but as far as Celeste goes, art style is beautiful. Um, the music in it is really surprising. I didn't think this game was going to be one of those that has a fantastic soundtrack, and so far I'm loving it. Um, the characters are interesting. I've only met a couple of them. Um, there's some stuff with some specific characters that I don't want to get into because I don't want to spoil it for you, Jordan, but they do some really cool stuff so far. I believe, and I could be wrong about this, there's three chapters and then there's like a epilogue. Um, and I'm about halfway or maybe three-fourths through the second chapter. So I'm, I think I'm about halfway through the game. It depends on how long each chapter is, right? Um, the first chapter was pretty short. The second one seems significantly longer, so I would assume... By that measure, the third one's going to be longer than the second. Um, but yeah, having a blast with that. And I also played Monster Hunter World, um, which we'll get into when you bring it up. Uh, as far as what I watched and, and other stuff like that, 
I didn't really have time for anything else. Um, I'm trying to think if I watched anything. I don't think so, but we have some movie releases coming up, which are huge, because we have Black Panther, we have Annihilation with Natalie Portman, which looks super dope. And there's another oh, yeah. movie coming out in February, and I can't just think of it off the top of my head uh, that I want to go see in theaters, too. Uh, it'll probably come back to me. Um, but yeah, what about you? What have you been playing? Uh, just while we're on the subject, I do want to say there's a Netflix movie coming out next month That's called what it Mute. Is. Yep. Mute, is that what you're thinking of? And it is uh, by the director of Moon... Uh, with Sam Rockwell, one of the most underrated actors in Hollywood. <laughs> Moon is one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> Moon's fucking awesome. So yeah, this yeah. is this guy's follow-up. It's been a long time coming. And it's my one of my favorite subgenres, a cyberpunk film about a uh, mute bartender. So I'm like, fuck yes. From a director I already know I love. So yeah, I'm very excited about that. And um, holy shit, I just realized how... Uh, retroactively creepy Kevin Spacey's part is in Moon now. Jeez, um, that's fucking me up right now. Because um, it was just a little creepy, but now that we know that he's a creepy guy, it's like, ah, fuck. Yeah. With the little emoji faces, I gotta, I gotta move on. I can't keep dwelling on this. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so yeah, I'm excited for Mute. I'm uh, very excited for Annihilation because I've been reading the books. And uh, Black Panther's looking dope as well. So, um, but anyways, games. Uh, yes, played um, probably about ten hours of Monster Hunter, and um, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Um, there definitely is some of that obtuse stuff that we were talking about, uh, or that people were kind of uh, murmuring about that had already played the series. Like, you know, just just get ready, bring your big boy pants, I guess. Um, Similar to some of the stuff I was talking about with Neo, where there's just uh, layers upon layers to certain systems that may or may not need to be there. Some necessary, some not so much. <clears throat> but uh, nonetheless, it's fun, and um, I do love a good monster hunting game. You know, Bloodborne, The Witcher, stuff like that. And uh, yeah, the I think the combat is probably my biggest gripe, because... It's fun, but, I mean, you walk into that game and you already have one of each type of weapon. Um, and there's, what, like, probably like 15, 12, 15 types, Jared, you think? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, well, I'm new to the series, too, so I'm no expert by any means. But, like, going through the menus and starting the game, yeah, I would say about 12 to 15. And I, I think the the customization there is figuring out, like, what specifications you want to upgrade into, right? Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. There's just... Uh, and I mean, I love good variety, but I think it would be a little bit better if maybe you started out choosing between three to five weapon types, and then within the first ten hours, you have all 12 to 15, but you've kind of gone... Because that's basically what I've had to do uh, just, like, f for myself is, like, you know, just break it down one weapon at a time on a mission and, and try to get familiar with them because um, they are vastly different in between. So, um, And then uh, that leads into the uh, combat control scheme, uh, which is just a little wonky for me, um, because you have certain attacks um, that, like, for example, uh, you have certain attacks that you do just with the face buttons, but then they're modified if you're holding down the R2 
uh, button and then um, you know you can't just like for example if you oh here's a big complaint so uh, when you kill a monster and you're ready to loot it you can't this is not the complaint but you can't loot it until you've sheathed your weapon right yeah and so that's just like a stop and go sort of thing but the big complaint here is that if you don't uh, loot monsters quick enough, it'll just fade away and you can't loot it. You just lose that loot. So, like, if you have ten, uh, are they Jagras? J-A-G-R. Jagra, yeah. yeah, something like that. And uh, they're like, so, like, there's a group of ten of them, maybe eight or ten of them. And so, yeah, you get to start and fight in one and you kill him. But then by the time you're done with all the other monsters, he's just faded away and you lost out on his loot for no fucking reason. So you either have to, like, um, chase him away to a different spot and then come back, or you just kind of have to, like, hope that they don't attack you while you're trying to loot their buddy's body. And so that's just fucking stupid, if you ask me. There's there's no reason why that should be the case, uh, regardless of um, what series we're playing. It doesn't matter that we're new to this series. That's just fucking stupid, so... Um, there's some stuff like that throughout, um, where I'm just kind of like, I don't know, man. I don't know about that. That's a weird decision. But, uh, for the most part, um, once you start getting into, uh, the combat and you start, you know, messing around with a few different weapons, um, it is, you can definitely get a a hold on it and you can, um, start to feel comfortable with it. So, Um, then besides that, I do really enjoy the environments that you're going into, um, and kind of exploring them. It's not really open world, but they kind of just, uh, you, um, for example, you start out, um, taking missions in this one sandbox. So there's like a hub world and then there's this sandbox that you keep going back to, but it's big enough that, uh, you're, you know, just going to different sections for the individual missions. Um, but then I would say my complaint on that is that, uh, even when you're playing those specific missions solo, they have a time limit on them and, uh, that can get annoying. Um, cause this boss, not really a boss, I guess, but, uh, this bigger, uh, monster that I just killed the Puke Puke was, uh, difficult to find. I actually spent them the whole time of the mission just running throughout the entire uh, sandbox trying to find him and didn't, and the time ran out, so I was kind of frustrated there. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's just just some obtuse stuff that I'm not too fond of, but uh, other than that, I'm definitely enjoying my time. So, um, could, I, could I give in my, my thoughts with... Because we're, we're both new to this, and I, 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 I think that maybe you fall in the same category as me. Like, on paper, this should probably be a series that you'd be super into... Like right. hunting big ass monsters with cool weapons, right? Um, oh yeah. I do think there's some stuff that's obtuse, and I think it's coming from a place where, though this this uh, franchise has had success on handheld systems and obviously some console releases beforehand, uh, way back when, um, it's it still seems like a series that's very rooted in its Japanese um, origins, and I yep. do think that there's some things that they have to maybe tweak for Western audiences. And I'm not saying, you know, cater to the Americans, but, like, I mean, to the world in general of, like, things that I, I don't kind of work better in video games nowadays. And, I mean, I, I want to start on the positives first, I guess. Or maybe I'll start on the negatives and get those out of the way. Um, I do agree with you that I think that to some people, throwing everything at you at once is really cool. And it's like, oh, you know, trial by fire, learn. 
But like right. even in Dark Souls, and you know, compare everything to Dark Souls. But even like Dark Souls, you only have a certain amount of weapons at your disposal at the beginning, and it makes you learn those. And you kind of have to go out of your way to get other weapons. With this, they right. just kind of throw all of them at you, and you're like, here, figure it out. Um, yep. As much as there's a bunch of text boxes for tutorials, it never explains to you if three stars means the easiest or the hardest weapon. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? That, there's no explanation there. So I'm looking at a two-star weapon, and I'm like, well, does this mean it's on the easier side or the harder side? I don't, you know what I mean? Because I think it's a four-star well, system. And on top of that, just about every five minutes when you're starting out the game, you're reading another one of those tutorial boxes, and it's a lot of fucking information to take in, even yeah. for someone that's used to playing complicated video games, even for someone who's intelligent, stuff like that, like, you're still gonna have some information overload on that. Yeah, and I do think this is probably a series that if me and you, I mean, we're already kind of deep into it, I think if we if we deep if we deep dive into this game enough, it'll get to the point where we learn this game, and then whenever the next Monster Hunter comes out, a Monster Hunter game comes out, we'll be more comfortable with it. I sure. do think it's one of those things that you kind of build on, and it's the hardest thing is getting into it. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of the other negatives I have real quick because I do have I do have a couple more. Um, so I do like the free roam, and I do agree with you that having time missions for a solo experience just doesn't make sense to me. That's like a weird like artificial padding in my opinion of like you have to complete it in this mm. time. If not, then you have to go all the way back and accept the mission again or restart yeah, or whatever. Yeah. It just seems like weird artificial padding for single player. I understand why you do it for a multiplayer aspect because I think it's a little bit more competitive that way of forcing people to complete a mission in a certain time frame, right? Um, and right. it also gives people like uh, like constraints for if like, hey, I'm only online for half an hour. Oh, this fight takes half an hour at most. We can get it right. done no matter what or fail. Like it's a deadline stop. For single player, it doesn't make sense to me. I agree with you on that. Um, but I want to get into the positives because I, I do have some negatives with this game. But I think overall I am starting to – this is a game I want to fall in love with. I don't think I love this game by any means now. But it is a game that like right. I see a lot of roots in it of like – Man, I could really fall in love with this game if it clicks, and I'm just waiting for. I'm in the same. I'm in the same boat, and also real quick on the time limit thing, if you run out of time, you still keep like if you've been looting monsters, you're still gonna get to keep that stuff. So that's at least they don't just like rip that out from under you. Yeah, and the next thing I want to talk about is I'm positively framing it, but it is a negative of like. I think some things are overly complicated for no apparent reason, and but it's a really cool system. So this game. It's called Monster Hunter. You're hunting giant-ass monsters. Super cool. Mm. They have, like, uh, an ecology department and a botany department where they want you to go out and find these these plants and these smaller animals that you don't even hunt because there's, like, there's herbivores, there's carnivores, there's omnivores, but there's also, like, you can fish in the game, which is really cool. And they're, one of the coolest things about this game is it's not like a Minecraft or something where you put your rod in and then you get a bite and you pull it out or Animal Crossing, you don't know what fish it is. This game, you actually see what fish you're going to be catching. Like, it's in the water right. swimming, and you right. know exactly what fish you're going after, which is pretty cool, in my opinion. I think it's really cool. But they also yeah. have these smaller animals um, that you can't really hunt, but you can capture with your net. And a lot of this uh, rewards you with the points you can use, and you you return back to base, and you let them know what kind of animals you've caught or found. So, that's one thing I haven't done. I haven't done that or trapping anything yet. Yeah, I haven't trapped anything either, but I've gone out and I've caught stuff. And there's actually, one of the cool things is there's, I think, five achievements, so five trophies, I would assume, same thing. One for each of these, like, ultra-rare little animals. And they're not animals you necessarily hunt, but they're animals you find at certain locations. So there's a relicanth, which is, like, an ancient fish. It's actually based on a real-life fish. Um, there's, like, this Hercules beetle that you can find on a tree. Um, there's some, like, types of birds that spawn 
on the backs of like some of the uh, herbivores. Uh, you know, in the first area, you know those like Paleosaurus type looking omnivores that are there or herbivores, yes. I guess. And yeah, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those ones, they spawn on their back. So there's, like, really cool, like, rarer animals you can come across. I think all that stuff's cool because it adds depth to your game of you're not just solely focused on the big monsters. It's like you're focusing on the entire environment and all of the ecology in it, right? Which is really cool. My problem yeah. with that is when you come back to base, there's, like, way too many menus of having to accept, like, uh, like accept quests that uh, for finding specific things. It's like... You have to pin certain stuff to make sure it's in the things that you're tracking. I think it's just right. overly convoluted. But I think the idea of all of that stuff is really cool. I just wish they... Dumbing it down isn't really the right word. I think it's just... Uh, Simplifying, streamlining. Streamlining everything. Yeah, because all the systems, systems in place are really cool. It just makes it difficult to get to them. Like... Half of that stuff I didn't even know I could do until I when I talked to them in the game of the tutorial and I figured out about it. But even then, as much as I love that stuff, going into it and accepting the certain quests and doing that, it's like it's just like padded time, you know, to the experience, which kind of sucks. Well, and I think what you were talking about with the kind of Japanese sensibilities, I've actually been thinking about that too, and I've noticed that um, just in general, I feel like Japanese games are very different the way they approach certain things, like uh, menus, for example, I feel are more convoluted coming from Japan, whereas yeah. I feel like um, most of the time when I jump into uh, a more Western-developed game, I feel like uh, the menus and the UI and the user experience, that's all... Uh, just less convoluted and yeah, more streamlined. But um, that you know, that's just a big. We have a big gap in our in our culture, so that makes sense. But at the same time, I do feel like it would um, like you don't want to just cater solely to the North American or Western audience. But I do think it would give them more people buying their games, which gives them a bigger budget for their next one. You know, like I yeah. think it would it would help the Japanese games industry as a whole because there is. Um, I've, you know, just playing all my life, I've noticed there's a lot of convolution uh, with Japanese games that just simply isn't there in the Western sphere. So um, that's that certainly seems to be a part of Monster Hunter. I think Monster Hunter might be the best example I've ever seen of that, where it's just, um, you know, maybe a little bit of uh, Westernization might help it out a bit, actually. Yeah, and we're going to get into a new story later regarding Monster Hunter World and its sales and stuff like that. And I think that this being on consoles, being on Xbox One, being a console game, right. people are flocking to it now. And maybe they'll notice and they'll hear back from audiences and the community of like, we love your game. We just want it to be better because we, we want to love it more, if that makes sense. And yeah. as, as far as, real quick, what did you name your Palico, by the way? So uh, I was going to name my character's name is Kala, I think. K-A-L-A. Wow. Uh, Because usually when I'm able to choose between male and female, I choose female just because we don't usually get to play as females in games. Um, And so I was about to name my little cat Pico, like Pico de Gallo, but then a little, you know, like text suggestion came up on the PlayStation keyboard and it was Picasso. So he's (laughs) named Picasso, like Pablo. Um... Yeah, so I, I'm with you, but I, a lot of my choosing of female characters comes from my FPS background. Of uh, On a lot of older games for FPSs, the female always had a smaller hitbox. Um, nice. Yeah, So, but with 
Also, with a game like Monster Hunter, I think the game is very pleasing to the eye. It's, it's a very beautiful game. I don't sure. think it's like a yeah. technical masterpiece, but I do think it's a beautiful game. And There are better looking games, but the nature really comes to life in this game for sure. Yeah. Um, so my character is a female as well. Her name is a Lily. And my Palico, I was thinking of what, what I wanted to name him, and I couldn't think of anything. And then for some reason, there was one thing that kept sticking in my mind. I named my Palico Turtle. I don't know. I just thought it was really funny to have this like <laughs> cat little creature named Turtle. So yeah, my Palico. I was just turtle. like thinking in my head for some reason earlier today about a dog named Cat. I was like, yeah. if you had a dog and you named it Cat, you know, it's like just naming an animal a different animal is kind of fucking funny. Yeah, I, so I named him Turtle. I, I found it hilarious. Also, I think it's really weird that a lot of these games, they're like, yeah, we'll make the we'll make the um, the the cats more intelligent, but we'll never mess with dogs. Like, uh, for yeah. instance, I was thinking about this today with Bethesda. There's a whole race, the Khajiit, which are cats. Right. But there's still regular dogs in that game, <laughs> so it's like cats. Well, and involved. I think. I mean, yeah, you mentioned Skyrim, but I actually do think that's a Japanese thing because, um, you know, like in Neo, there's a cat spirit that, uh, you know, talks to you. And um, in this, they're kind of almost similar creatures to that. And uh, so I I think that might actually be a cultural thing as well. But speaking of kind of along this line, when they're asking you for their name and the, the characters are like getting up in your face... This game has some of the worst lip syncing I've seen in oh, yeah. years. Yeah. In years. It's god awful. So, uh, and entering the game, I heard about that, and I'm actually rolling with. I know the Japanese stuff isn't perfect either, but I'm rolling Japanese audio English subtext. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, and then, of course, you got a fucking, uh, you know, silent protagonist, which I'm getting really tired of in video games. I just think that's stupid at this point. Like, Link needs to fucking talk. You know, Monster Hunter, I need my character to talk because it's just fucking weird when someone, you know, says a paragraph to to you and ends it with a question and then you just like, not in this game, but you just hit a text uh, response and then they they just answer, but you don't actually say anything. It's just, we're fucking past that. Record some lines, please. I think you can get, I agree with you, I, I really want voice characters too in almost all games. But I think you can get away with it easier if you're a Japanese company than you are a Western company. Oh, yeah. Because, um, like, look, like Mario doesn't talk. Uh, you know, uh, even Dark Souls, that series doesn't have uh, uh, voice That's characters. That's a whole other thing, yeah. Yeah. Because um, they don't even animate even the like lips. Monster or Hunter. Um, but I want to get to the, the combat. I agree with you. It's, it's kind of weird in some instances. Um, but I do appreciate that uh, what I've found so far is in your own ho- little home base that you have, um, you can you know switch to the weapons and they have a training area there. You can talk to the Palico right. home uh, home taker or caretaker. And I do wish you could fight other things than barrels. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, if you yeah. could just fight, you know, fake ass monsters that you're not actually looting or anything, that'd be cool. Yeah, uh, I'm currently rocking the insect glaive. I don't know what you're rocking. Well, yes, um, you're flipping through them, right? You said you're you're checking out. Yeah, I've actually been bouncing around just because I want to. Uh, I honestly want to be able to use all the weapons uh, decently proficiently, but um, I've used the sword and shield. I've used the long sword, the great sword, um, the dual wielding uh, swords, the um, katana. I think. Well, I think that's a long sword. No, because there's a long so. sword and there's the katana. They're two separate things. 
Because okay. the Maybe long I just sword, use the long can... sword that looks like a katana. Because a long sword you can upgrade to a different type of sword, and the katana specifically upgrades into an insect glaive. And that's what I Oh, uh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. yeah, so what's the difference with the insect glaive? Is it just that you attach your, uh, what are they called? You have those little bugs or whatever? Insects. Uh, Insects, so, yeah. Once again, this is coming from a, a novice in it, so please forgive me if I get anything wrong. Anybody who's listening is a big Monster Hunter person. Um, but from the reason I chose it and the reason it sounded cool to me is because so you have this the, the, the spear that you use to attack and stuff like that, but it also allows you to air dash, essentially. So you can Ooh. mount... You can mount the monsters and do crazy damage, uh, more damage. Uh, and the the big um, plus minus there is um, the insect glaive isn't as strong as other weapons. It's a little bit quicker, but you don't do as much damage. But you get to mount them, and mounting does a significant amount of damage. You can down the creature and stuff like that. But the other thing it allows is, yeah, the kinsect. So basically, each one has different abilities depending on, the, obviously, the kinsect you get. And you can upgrade that specifically to its own thing. I haven't read. I don't. I don't understand if it's like a mechanical thing or if it's an actual bug. I don't remember. Um, or maybe it's just like an augmented bug. But you wear it on your wrist, and it can do different things for you. Um, some of them release poison. Some of them uh, grant you health. Um, nice. So they do different things. Um, and from what I've seen, and the way I use it is, if you hit right trigger when using the insect glaive, the insect will come out and pop these little like clouds of uh, energy or whatever and depending on what the insect uh, is known for it'll do that specific thing and for me it seems like it, it releases a purple cloud and it does additional damage for mine so it'll pop out these purple clouds and I kind of just lure the monster over to these clouds I hit them while swinging at the monster they explode and do additional damage um, and nice. you can have like multiple of those pockets of clouds see I'm really enjoying that um, I do think the combat is probably the way it is because they want it to be um, more fun in a group with people. I think if it was more precise, maybe there'd be some issues there. Um, from what I've seen with the easy allies and stuff, when you're in a group fighting with people, I think the combat is a lot easier to just digest and be okay with. I think me and you are primarily doing this single player, so I do think those concerns and kind of the rigidness and the, the weirdness of it comes out a lot more because it's us fighting this monster by ourselves. You know what I mean? Yeah, so you don't have as much boxes. time to focus on it. The hitboxes have been weird to me, specifically your characters, because it's like I'm rolling out of the way and um, like this dinosaur's like running at me, like charging me, and I'm like, whoa, he didn't hit me at all. Why am I getting health taken away or whatever? Yeah. And uh, so yeah, the hitbox is a little weird, but it's not nearly as difficult as you know a Neo or Bloodborne, a Souls game, because um, they, I don't. I'm just not getting nearly as much health taken for a hit, and also, um, <laughs> the you can just craft potions pretty freaking easy. So, yeah. um, that part is is probably better just because of how complicated it is. It'd be annoying to have to like go back to the hub world and and all the stuff that you're trying to to figure out that we've been describing. Um, but then when you do loot a monster, I really like that you can like build armor and craft stuff yeah. out of the monster that you killed you know like I'm I'm wearing armor that includes elements of the monsters I've taken down so um, I'm really enjoying that part and though there is like I mean you can upgrade your upgrades basically like there's there's upgrading to no end it seems like but uh, still I'm I'm enjoying doing that and like uh, the crafting um, the the smithy when you go in there and your craft and stuff i really enjoy uh messing around with that so yeah i've got you know 
plenty of positives to go along with my oh. complaints, I'd say. Yeah, before we close out and hop into the news or actually finish hearing what you've played and stuff, because I don't think we got to the end of that, um, the two last things I want to touch on is your home base, Jordan. One of the cool things you can do is as it upgrades, um, and now since I, we're at the beginning, I have one spot I can do this in, but all these smaller creatures that you capture, like I told you about like the weird like rabbit things and the Hercules beetle and all that stuff, even yeah, the yeah. fish, you can uh, have them displayed in your house. Like They can actually be running around and doing stuff. Like there's oh, a point cool. where you get an aquarium too, and you can put fish in there, and they're actually living too. They're not like weird trophies that you stare at. Um, <laughs> I think the other thing that I need to get adjusted to is normally in an RPG, um, I'm used to having all of my equipment, um, obviously barring encumbrance, over encumbrance, and that kind of stuff. But having my equipment going out and during the actual battles, changing out and figuring out things. What I've noticed with Monster Hunter is this game is dedicated preparation. Like, yeah. you will find the most success preparing. So, I Witcher have to get, 2 style. Exactly. So I have to get used to having the appropriate armor, making sure I'm using the correct kinsect, because uh, obviously those have different uh, pluses and minuses, um, preparing the appropriate meal at the Palico Canteen thing. Um, I just have to get used to that a little bit more. Of I need to figure out the right meal for the monster I'm hunting and that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm loving Expeditions. I, what I would love to see, and I'm very early in Monster Hunter World, but I would love to see is the next evolution of this series when it comes to console again, is I would love just a pure open world. Not these sectioned off areas that they have now, yeah. but I would love a, just a pure living open world because I think they have a lot of stuff in place currently that they they can make that work because these environments, though they are sectioned off, they do feel alive and I love the way the ecosystem feels. I just right. wish it was in a huge open environment. Um, well, and cool. when they announced it as World, I thought that's what we were doing, but you know, apparently not. So I think maybe it's like, like hey, the rest of the world can finally play this franchise, and you know, whatever. Um, right. Before we hop into the news, do you have anything else you played or watch or anything you want to talk about real quick? Um, let's see. I didn't really play anything else. I did. Uh, I started watching the first episode of uh, an Amazon series called Britannia, uh, which is, like, about... Encyclopedias. Uh, it's Britannica. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's about uh, Britain, like, in... Uh, this is, like, before... This is the time during the Roman Empire, and it's talking about, like, the Roman Empire embra- invading uh, the area that would become modern day Britain um, and the Romans are dealing with these like tripped out druids that are over there they're totally like old school like mystified motherfuckers and uh, some way crazy trippy stuff they got going on and so it's got kind of some some uh, fantastical elements to it um, so I didn't even make it through the first episode because I was uh, getting a little tired last night but um, so far seems pretty cool and then um, oh I finally watched a movie that I've been hearing about uh, that I should watch forever called No Country for Old Men wow I didn't know I didn't realize you've never seen that movie yeah people are usually surprised uh, knowing my taste in movies that I haven't so um, yeah, I really enjoyed it, and um, especially because um, I'm a big uh, Coen Brothers fan. That's one of my few gaps in the Coen Brothers filmography, so um, it was definitely kind of 
as far as the overall vibe or message of it, it was very uh, Coen Brothers as far as it being pretty, um, I wouldn't say nihilistic, but it definitely um, kind of has a neutral uh, perspective on things. You know, even though there's really fucked up shit happening in the throughout the course of the movie, it's not um, it's not really taken aside. You know, so yeah. Um, crazy crazy film definitely worth a watch and uh really great western if you're into that stuff neo-western so yeah i really enjoyed it javier bardem in that movie plays the second best live action joker behind heath ledger in my opinion like some of that stuff Mm -hmm. he does because like the whole coin flip aspect of it and stuff obviously i'm not saying it's directly joker but it's just like a you know a joke i I really like it could be yeah like you could see how it could be easily pivoted to that if he was playing the joker also um I guess they've got two face. I, I think. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, I think that's the only western, true western that they've done. But they're actually uh, working on a uh, western anthology series for Netflix coming up. So I'm excited about that. And my friend uh, does film stuff actually out there in New Mexico, Jared, and um, he was working on a set next to where they were doing their series and uh actually got to work on their set because they needed some extra people and so he got hired on for a couple days or whatever and so got to work on the Cohen Brothers series. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to see that. So we talked about Monster Hunter World. Let's actually talk about some news regarding the game. Um this comes away of IGN. Uh Shibana Reef writes Monster Hunter World 5 million copies shipped in 3 days. Uh, which is insane for the series, obviously. Uh, we're yeah. part of that. We both purchased a game when it came out the first three days. Um, well, I'd assume, anyways. Um, well, I stole a copy from GameStop, so, you know. <laughs> yeah. Assuming makes an ass out of you and me, Jared. Uh, and the crazy thing is, actually, the uh, the gaming industry veteran from Japan, Hirokazu Hamamura, predicted that it would sell 10 million units worldwide long term. Because uh, it's also coming out on PC this fall. Um, but to yeah. already have it sell five million in three days on console is kind of insane. I think it's blowing out their predictions, which is super cool. Um, we do have our complaints with the series, but I think this is a, a this might be the best entry point that we'll ever get for it. Maybe I don't know. Sure, Just, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but it's. I mean, I think the game deserves the sales it's getting so far. I think it's. A, I think it's a. As far as quality, um, I think it's a very a very solid game. I think there are things they need to refine and tweak and fix and stuff like that, but I'm pretty satisfied with it. And like we both said, it's a it's a game I want to love, and I'm trying to get to the point of loving um, because it has so many things I do like. It's just getting around the obtuse nature of it and seeing if it finally clicks. Um, but yeah, it's I think I'm we're both satisfied with our purchase and we're having a blast with it. So you know, big ups to Monster Hunter World for um, getting some really cool sales numbers. Um, I guess the next batch here we're gonna do is. Not necessarily news stories. It's kind of a batch of all the stuff Nintendo decided to tweet out instead of putting it in a direct or attaching it to a direct. Sorry. Um, so the first bit is that Nintendo has sold 14 million Switch units to date, um, which has already uh, outsold the Wii U's lifetime sales. Within the first year for Wii U, it sold 3 million units, and in 10 months, the Nintendo Switch has sold 14 million. Uh, so I don't know what, what else we want to say there. It's like, yeah, duh, Wii U sucked. Um, well, I, I actually wanted to say this because I thought about this uh, when you mentioned it before the show. 
Yes, this is uh, crazy and awesome for Nintendo that they've now uh, surpassed Wii U sales in less than a year. The crazier part about it, Jared, is think about during year two when it catches up with fucking Xbox One. Yeah. That's going to be fucking insane. Yeah, and I mean, it also has what it has going for it over Xbox and even PlayStation is that it is also a handheld. And I think that's an easier digestible purchase, especially for parents. Um, so they don't and have cheaper. to worry about them exactly. Um, yep. and the all the, the other part of this too is that uh, to date Super Mario Odyssey has sold nine million copies. Uh, Jeez, man! It is the number one selling game on Switch, um, and Zelda's actually fallen to third. And this is kind of the thing we should have known about in uh, seeing the writing in the leaves is that Zelda's never really moved units on its own. It's never been one of the best selling franchises for Nintendo. Obviously, Mario sells like crazy. So the top-selling game on Switch right now is Super Mario Odyssey, uh, then it's Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, and then it's uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. So, Yeah, that it's, makes sense to me. Yeah, that's a lot of copies sold, too. Nine million copies. Um, that's crazy. For a game that came out in October, the end of October. Yeah, and the um, attachment rate, too, is just fucking insane there. Yeah, it's it's it literally it, it's funny because like we were we were saying like oh man the attach rate for Legends of the Breath of the Wild was crazy when it first came out and I was like oh there's like two million right. switches and two million copies of of Zelda or whatever but now it's like there's fourteen and nine that's to me that's more impressive personally than two and two sure you yeah know, as it grows and it's still that's crazy um, like the, next, the vast majority of Switch owners have mario Kart or mario odyssey the vast yeah. majority of a large group so yeah that, that's pretty fucking awesome <laughs> it's insane uh the next bit here that nintendo tweeted out is that there's an app coming before the end of the 2018 fiscal year which would be march 31st 2019 and that is mario kart tour which is a mobile app they literally gave no information we don't know if this is a game we don't know if this is a companion app my personal opinion is that if the deluxe edition of mario kart came out last year this by the end of by the end of March thirty first, twenty nineteen seems way too late for it to be a companion app. I would almost assume that this is just a Mario Kart mobile game, right? Yeah, That's I think it's assumption. Super Mario Run for the Kart series. Exactly. Yeah, where just maybe you 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 know with a Kart game you're only ever turning one direction for the most part. I guess with Kart it's different, but like tapping the screen to turn, or you know what I mean? It would probably be like a set acceleration or something. I don't know. Yeah. We'll, We'll see, but I doubt, I doubt this is a companion app. The fact that it's called Tour 2, it's like, well, yeah, mobile devices can go anywhere, so it's like touring, you know. Um, right. The next bit of news, uh, Nintendo had announced that the online service is launching September 2018. Uh, it's going to be $20 a year. We already knew that. That's not any new information. I also wrote down here, do we expect more at E3? It's coming out September 2018. We, have n- we know nothing about it except that, like, Apparently, we're getting a NES game every month that we're subscribed to it, and they haven't specified well, if... It's like, like a rental, though, right? Exactly. Yeah, you download the game and play it, but then when that month's over, it switches to a new game, so you no longer... Weird. Very weird. Um, obviously, it's a Nintendo with online, so it's not going to be perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't know if this is going to include some type of achievement system. We don't know if this is going to include updates to the eShop. We don't know if this is going to include um, Virtual Console. So I'm assuming we're going to see more at E3, right, would be the proper prediction. If they're giving a date on this, they're hitting that date because Nintendo really doesn't delay. They're one of the companies that when they announce a date, they hit it. I think. Well, yeah, they didn't necessarily give a date the first time, but they said it was supposed to be out last year. So uh, they delayed it pretty fucking hard. And um, 
man, if we get to the end of the Switch and there's been no real virtual console, even if they call it something different, that is going to be the biggest disappointment. I mean, a massive letdown. So that's what I'm hoping for from E3. Like, yeah, the online service is coming, and with it, you'll be able to download, you know, this, 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 and GameCube games. We're adding that to the library. Like, fucking come on, guys. Yeah. Well, it's funny, too, because, like, the Switch is is the one console where I don't really care about playing with people online, but I do want virtual console, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. Like, I don't care about playing, like... Yeah, Mario Party and stuff, cool, but I don't really care too much about playing online. Like, for th- with the Switch, it's, like, single-player Nintendo games for me. And then the only multiplayer games I'm really st- into with, with Nintendo are uh, Kart and Smash. But other than that, it's, like, I like it to be my indie machine. Indies aren't really multiplayer, you know, for, the, you know, I don't know. It's it's very weird. Right. I want, the, like, the achievements and the virtual console, virtual console more than anything. Um, There's so, no Destiny game with squads and fire exactly, teams or anything yeah. like that. So, um, And the last bit of news isn't gaming related, but it's still interesting. Uh, Nintendo has confirmed that Illumination is making the Mario movie, and it's currently in development. Um, if you're not familiar with Illumination, they're responsible for the movie Sing, um, Despicable Me, and Minions. Uh, I'm I'm okay with this. I've seen some hot takes on, online, but I think Illumination can do this justice. They we talked about it before the show. I think their animation quality is fantastic, and uh, yeah, I think this will be really cool for kids. I have a nephew who loves Mario. He loves the Minions because Minions aren't made for adults. That's one thing people have to understand too. Everyone's like the Minions suck. It's like well they they weren't created for you. Um, but you know my nephew loves the Minions and he loves Mario and like. I think it's just going to be super exciting for him when this movie's in theaters because he absolutely loves Mario, man. It's going to be awesome to see it on the big screen. So I think it's great. Cool. Right. Yeah. Can't wait. And the uh, I guess the, the closing topic, the thing we're going to talk about, the primary thing, as of recording this, we're recording this on February 1st. Uh, we have a day for Red Dead Redemption 2, uh, nice. which is crazy. It, I kind of woke up this morning. I checked Twitter, and Rockstar's tweet was right there at the top of my Twitter feed. It just Red Dead Redemption Two is coming October twenty sixth, twenty eighteen. Uh, you know, a lot of people are like, "Oh man, that sucks that this game got delayed." Um, but another thing we we're actually talking about before the show is, I said this game was scheduled for spring twenty eighteen. We are already entering the beginning of February. I, I highly doubted this game was coming out before June. I actually anticipated that this might have been the screw E three game. You know, there was Last of Us and a couple other games, and I could totally see Rockstar being like. And we don't do E3, so we're just going to release our game when all of you guys are at E3. Just deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, October 26th, though, I want to talk about in terms of what this means for the rest of the industry and for you personally, Jordan. Is this a good date for you? Do you think this is a good time period? Uh, yeah. Is it a Tuesday or Friday? Do you know? Uh, let me check on the calendar real quick. Start. You can start chatting about all the other stuff, and I'll, I'll fill you in on that. Give me one second. I think, yeah. I mean, I uh, like those a Friday. rock. Okay, well, first of all, I love the Friday game release, um, so that's awesome. But then also, uh, I really like when we're talking about these big fall releases, I like the September-October games a lot more, um, because November just feels a little too late, in a sense, even though it's not, because that's when the biggest of the big usually come out, even though this is one of them. But your Call of Duty's your Battlefronts, you get what I'm saying. And um, so, yeah, I feel like... September, October is is a really great spot for me. I'd love to see more games in the summer. Obviously, I've mentioned that before, but uh, yeah, October's cool spot. It's yeah, it's it's weird because last year we had the big October twenty seventh, right? Because we had 
what was it? It was Mario, Assassin's Creed, Origins, and Wolfenstein 2 all come out on October 27th. And now a year later, we have October 26th, which that's how years work. It's going to be a different date on that Friday, um, is is, uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. Currently, as far as the schedule, we only have one date. uh, We have have two things we can expect in October. Um, Battlefield, because of the recent earnings call, EA actually talked about their Battlefield game is releasing in October. We don't know what that is. You got a quick predict for that? Uh, what, What day it is? What kind of game we're talking uh, well, speculation and rumors suggest that it's Bad Company 3. Um, oh, I knew that. Yeah, yeah, You think yeah. that's going to be the case? Yeah, that, that's probably a good assumption there. Um, they probably don't want to head back into a, a primary Battlefield game. Um, but one of the interesting rumors on top of that is that during the conference call, um, EA made it a point to talk about maybe incorporating a Battle Royale-type mechanics into Battlefield. So I don't know if that'll hit this game because it might have already been in development. It might be too late. But he even said it might not even be a whole game. So I wonder if they would take they would have a small team push to the side and take the Battlefield One engine or whatever you know Frostbite. Right. Or right. is it Frostbite? Yeah, it's Frostbite. Yeah. And yep, just yep. make a standalone like thing you can buy uh, for like thirty bucks for for uh, Battlefield uh, Battle Royale, which would be interesting. Um, and the other you know thing, what else. Uh, they've never done like a futuristic battlefield, so it'd be interesting to see what that would look like. Yeah, I but uh, people have checked the traction on them going back to Battlefield One, and the numbers were insane. So I don't know if they'd, and also the way that Call of Duty handled future stuff, and people kind of got turned off by that real quick. I think that honestly, maybe Battlefield's niche is just constantly being the the one that goes back to the past in history. Um, maybe, and because it is a slower paced game than Call of Duty, so I think those eras fit it better. Um, but as far as October, so we have we have Battlefield that we know is coming out, and almost a guarantee every October is NBA 2K, um, which isn't a direct competitor to Red Dead. I think Battlefield is closer to that, so it kind of is uh, open there. Uh, as far as other games that are releasing in the fall, kind of so we have a gauge as to everything else that's coming out. Call of Duty historically ships in November. We're assuming it's Black Ops 3. It's Treyarch this year. Um, and the other two big games are Metro Exodus, which is kind of teased, assumed to be August 8th, which is good for that game. It's coming out, if that is the yeah. date, it's coming out way early, way before Red Dead, you know, uh, which I think is smart for them. And uh, the other big release that is assumed is that last week there was a retailer leak, in quotes, obviously this is all conjecture, that uh, S- Spider-Man is dated for September 28th. Which would give it, if that is the date, a month before Red Dead, which is solid too. Um, even though Spider-Man is a big franchise, um, going by the numbers, it's actually the second most uh, profitable superhero behind Batman. Uh, Spider-Man is, uh, in terms of net sales for anything. Um, I do think it being away from Red Dead definitely helps. Though it is yeah. one of those games that I could, it could release the week before or the week after, and I think Spider-Man would be fine. Uh, Spider-Man sells, but I think that's yeah. cool that for us who are par- probably interested in both of them, give us a month to j- have fun with Spider-Man. You know, don't t- put too much on our plate. And you said you are getting a PS4 for that. Yeah, I I will I will have a just like I said I will have a Switch before Odyssey, and I got it. I will have a Switch before Spider-Man. Hundred, I mean a, a PS4 Draft your tweets. before Spider-Man. Yeah, draft your tweets. <laughs> um, yeah. So the other thing that came out with these uh, release date is they showed a bunch of screens for this game. I don't think there's anything too interesting in the screenshots. Uh, they have a nice shot of uh, of the main character walking over a cliff with his horse, and it's just a beautiful vista, which kind of actually looks a lot like um, Gaina's Mountains up here where I'm from. Um, there's a mm. shot of there's an action shot of him like 
you know, shooting pistols. You don't really see characters. Um, there is one shot with all the seven horsemen that we've seen in the teaser, and there's a guy up front, and it kind of looks like Dutch, but not really. Uh, we're probably going to get some some internet sleuths doing some YouTube videos on that. Um, yeah, there's a, there are a couple interesting shots. You see there's probably either the love interest or the main female protagonist in the game. She has this really cool long braid. She's uh, she's riding next to your, your main character. And the last shot, which is my favorite, is a side shot of him the main character riding on his horse silhouetted with grass underneath with the sunrise behind his head specifically really cool wallpaper i think this is like the wallpaper screenshot it's like here's your wallpaper get ready for the game um if you clicked on the youtube video it's the image that i'll be using for the thumbnail as well just really beautiful shot um nice. yeah I, I don't know if there's any much else to say do you think that there was any games that we don't have a release date for that uh, will possibly move because of this? Or do you think, like, those dates are in mm. place, they're not moving no matter what? It's possible. I guess, do we know that there's not an Assassin's Creed coming this year? We don't know that. Uh, as far as the big boys, let's see. We don't know if there's an Assassin's Creed game, which is a very solid question. Because um, those are always October. Exactly. We don't know if there's a new Assassin's Creed game. They haven't really confirmed or denied that. Uh, and the, what was the other big game? Obviously, Anthem got delayed. Um... Yeah. And as far as other big releases, I can't think of anything. Uh, let me go through the list here real quick, and we'll see if there's anything that isn't dated that could possibly take up that time. Assassin's Creed, obviously. I'm going through the list here just trying to figure out if there's anything. Uh, Crackdown 3 won't even compete with it, not even whatever. That game can release whenever it's going to find its audience or it won't, so I don't think that's too worried about when it's releasing. Um Detroit Become Human, we all assume it'll be way earlier before that, so no really need to talk about that. Days Gone could possibly be the one. Maybe that was targeting an October release date, and maybe they're like, Ew. Maybe? Yeah. Just, I'm you know, coming up with ideas here. Um, I'm looking, I mean, so far Days Gone's pretty much the only thing. You uh, could have a Nintendo release in there, you know, if we're getting uh, Metroid this or year or something Kingdom like that. Or even Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, Kingdom Hearts 3. Yeah, Kingdom Hearts is a 2019 game at best, <laughs> yeah. in my my eyes. Well, what do you think the big Nintendo game is that could compete for that that slot in the fall? Uh, maybe the Metroid I, I'm, game? Yeah, maybe. I'm still thinking Metroid, for sure. Or the retro title we don't know about. You know, whatever maybe. retro's been working on. Um, maybe. Yeah, I'm looking through this list, and the only big releases are, like, Metro Exodus, which you already talked about, it being way earlier. Uh, Mega Man 11, which is a big game in terms of people getting excited for it, but as far as sales numbers and competing, not even in the same playing field. Um, Overkill's The Walking Dead, which that's a game too. I think like Crackdown 3, it's going to find its audience or it's not. I don't think that's competing sure. with Red Dead at all. Um, going down the list real quick, I'm just looking through these. Skull and Bones is Fall 2018 from Ubisoft. Which, that's going to be like those other two, though. Uh, yeah, I, I don't even, I think it's going to be worse than those other two. It's a... I have a whole hot take on Skull and Bones. I think it's one of the dumbest decisions Ubisoft's ever made, but that's for another discussion. Uh, <coughs> uh, <coughs> sorry, I got like certainly one of the weirdest they've made. That's for sure. Yeah, uh, Soul Calibur Six not competing. Um, what else do we got here? Yeah, man, we really don't have any idea of like the big tentpole titles this fall, as far as like the big boys outside of like Metro Exodus, now Red Dead. Uh, we don't know Days Gone and Nintendo. We don't know either. So or Assassin's Creed. You brought up a really good point there too. So very weird. We we just we don't know. You know, there's a lot of. Uh, I think. I think they'll. Uh, I think they'll get back to uh, 
two years. They'll stay on the two-year cycle now with Assassin's Creed because I think it did them well sales-wise. So. Yeah, um, I hope so. Anyways, I think I think they yeah. probably learned from that. Um, I guess that's it for Red Dead Redemption Two. Let's just hop into what we're going to be playing next week. Um, so for me, I'm going to be playing more Celeste. I'm going to try to finish it in the next week. Um, and Monster Hunter World, I still, like I said before, it's a game I want to love. Like everything on paper, I hunting big ass monsters. Uh, one thing we didn't talk about earlier in the show is like I really love the creature design so far too. I think it's a uh, pretty varied as far as what I've seen so far. There might be some repetitive stuff later on, um, but I'm I'm pretty happy with the the creature designs and the variety there. Uh, what else? Monster Hunter World that um, within the next week, uh, Mute comes out the third. You said. Uh, I think it's the 23rd. Maybe. You know what I was thinking about with the 3rd? I think um, uh, Altered Carbon is coming out on the Oh, yeah. That's uh, tomorrow the 2nd. The 2nd, yeah. More Cyberpunk. I'm telling you, dude. (laughs) I I called it last year with the Ghost in the Shell and the Blade Runner. And, you know, we got Deus Ex on the side, shit like that, like... Fucking Cyberpunk is coming around. That's why I want to see Cyberpunk 2077 at E3, man. I think it's there I think it's the, the zeitgeist moment. Jared, um, get my heart pumping. Yeah, so I'm probably going to start Altered Carbon because that show looks really interesting. And I, I've, it's yeah. actually based on a set of novels, too, um, which is really cool. And yeah, it just looks very interesting. Um, I think that's it for games and what I'm going to be watching the next couple of weeks after that, there's plenty of stuff. The movie I was thinking about, though I am excited for Mute, I forgot that was coming out in February, um, which I'm super excited about as well. <clears throat> and hear me out. It's an interesting decision. I okay. kind of want to see that movie Game Over in theaters, the one with Jason Bateman, the really weird one. Uh, it has Jason Bateman, Rachel McAdams. It's like a bunch of adults getting together, having a game oh, night. The, yeah, it, I know what you're talking about. It's, it's, yeah. it's kind of marketed as a dark comedy. That movie yeah, was yeah, like, yeah. ugh, that looks like something I'll watch on Netflix when it gets to Netflix. But yeah. from everything I'm hearing, people have seen early screenings, and they're saying it's one of the more surprising comedies. Like, it's actually a lot funnier than you would expect. Obviously, okay. take that with a grain of salt. All reviews are different. But it has piqued my interest that when that week comes around, I think it comes out the the same week as Annihilation with Natalie Portman. Um, when I see the reviews, if they're good enough, that's a movie I'll probably go see in theaters because people saying that the early screenings are, are you know, uh, trending better than anticipated is pretty cool. Um, the uh, book for Annihilation, I think, is less than 200 pages, so ooh. I'd recommend it. It's some, it's some really cool stuff. It's, <clears throat> um, you know, sci-fi, mystery. It's got some Lovecraftian elements to it. I really like it, so... Um, that's a wreck for you. Well, I mean, the thing too, man, when I saw the marketing for that movie, I love Natalie Portman and I love sci-fi. I'm like, yeah. okay, you made a movie for Jared. Great. Awesome. Yeah, there you go. There <laughs> yeah. You go. The marketing. Um, that's it for me though. So what about you? So then um, this is not coming out in the next week, but it is coming out this month, Jared. And I, I kind of hate to say it, but I think I'm getting kind of excited for Metal Gear Survive. I'm in a weird spot with it, Jared. I'm in a conflicted spot (laughs) with this game, clearly. But it's like, you know, it's that Fox engine and that it's got the the combat, it's got the gameplay from good old MGS5 Phantom Pain, Ground Zeroes. So, like, it's it's getting me. And then I'm like, "Eh, this base building thing doesn't sound too damn bad. Like, I don't know. Like, this, it's, you know, from... 
from some of the stuff I've heard, it really is a survival game, you know, that you have to work for everything you get. So, um, obviously the situation with Konami is, is terrible, uh, not just with Kojima, but also, uh, with their current employees. But at the same time, you know, I, I reminded myself the other day, like, if you want to be a person who only buys ethical products in, uh, especially in modern America, good fucking luck. You might as well just toss your iPhone in the toilet. Don't buy that car. You know, don't drive your car to work anymore. Like don't go buy food at any of the local restaurants. Cause they, you know, some shit was fucked up on the way in between it, you know, being made and getting to you. So it's just, you know, the clothes you're wearing, Well, you know, all this stuff. It's just like, you can't, you just you can't be ethical in everything you buy so that's kind of where i'm at also the thing too is like the harvey weinstein situation just relating it real quick he sure. was kind of the owner of that production company meaning that literally every ticket sale that happened miramax he, yeah he directly got contribution for whereas right. like the kevin spacey thing and even the konami thing with metal gear survive is there's a lot more hands involved than those specific people you know what i mean right. so it's like right the other thing I want to do is I want to commend Kyle Bossman, Brandon Jones, and Alana Pierce, obviously two of them from EZN, one from IGN. They are handling this the best possible way. They're handling it objectively. They're looking at the game as is, but they are yeah. also saying, like, you have to understand the environment that this game is going to release in, but that said, this game could possibly be something that's very cool and interesting, and I appreciate them handling it objectively because it is a very tough situation, even personally, like you said. It's like, do I want to contribute to that? And, like, for me personally, if I owned a PS4, I wouldn't purchase it. And that's not because I – how would I say this? Because of what I've heard about the working conditions that people had to go through, yes, buying a copy of the game contributes to those people. But do I want to contribute to them having to work in those awful conditions? So for me personally, I would choose not to buy it whether how good or bad it is. But I think it comes down to your personal – thoughts on it right and i think that's the thing yeah. you have to keep in mind is just because you don't want to buy it i'm not going to sit here and say oh yeah jordan why are you even thinking about it? it's going to be terrible dude no matter what you know yeah. i think that's what people i will say on those working conditions that's fucked up but the way that you get companies not to treat people that way is by not working for companies that treat people that way yeah. and no one's holding your a gun to your head like i realize that getting a job is a job in it of itself it's never easy but like <laughs> isn't that something yeah <laughs> it really is but um but yeah like don't work for that company anymore and then they don't have employees to just do that type of crazy shit to and also you know we were talking about the differences in japanese culture earlier um that's not as crazy of a situation in japan where you know like uh, uh corporate um, ethics are just a little bit different. They handle well, and people deal with stuff. People just like don't speak up for themselves, and it's just a cultural right, right. difference. There's a reason. There's a, a lot of reasons why Japan is one of the leaders in suicide is because of that type of stuff. And I yeah, say, hate traditionalism. To turn, yeah, I hate to turn it so dark, but I am interested in the fact that you are interested in this game in the very slightest, or even a you know a little bit, which is cool because well, that's, and that's an experience I want to hear about. You know, so yeah, and the. Uh... The objective point of view that Brandon gave on the latest Easy Allies preview was uh, one of my... Uh, I was already thinking about it, and then that kind of just kind of pushed me over the edge because he was just, like, talking about the merits and, and complaints he had with the game as opposed to being like, well, let me tell you about this Konami situation. You know, he was just talking yeah. about the game in itself. So, yeah, 
that's uh, led to some of these thoughts. And then, yeah, you know, I'm a huge Metal Gear fan. I love that gameplay from MGS5. Um, I'm totally cool with the fact that it's like an alternative story and isn't, you know, Snake, even though I think it would be fine if they continued like mainline uh, Metal Gear games because I think that... Um, for one, I'm sure there's still a lot of people there that worked on those games. It's not just Kojima. And uh, besides that, I just think that there's enough like fans of that game that would be working on it. That There's just people that understand like what he was going for. And it is so fucking crazy that, you know, it's almost hard to fuck up in a way. Because, like, I mean, there's shit that he put into that series that's like, you know, jumping the shark. So... I'm not too worried about anyone else jumping the shark, I guess is what I'm saying. But yeah, I think uh I think we'll have to see, but I'm I'm leaning towards a yes on that one. Especially when it's forty bucks too, you know, so Yeah. So we'll see. I'll probably end up waiting for reviews though on that one, not a pre order situation, but yeah. At least you don't have to worry about it being too weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um the optimist in, in me too likes to believe that you know, the more likely thing is that Konami was like, this game was already in production, let's just get it out, whatever. But the, like, super optimist in me would love to think that Konami was like, hey, we're done with Metal Gear, we're done with video games, whatever. And that core group of people that did work on it, that did work with Kojima, were like, no, we have faith in this game, let us put out this last, if we're gonna, not going to do any more Metal Gear, let us at least put out this last thing, because we have faith in it being successful. And that'd be really cool if that was the case, right? Of this core group of people that are like, no, we love Metal Gear. We know how to make a good Metal Gear game. Let us finish this project, you know? And obviously Here's that's the probably thing. not the case, but that would be cool. So, Everyone's, you know, down on this, and especially, like, Kojima fans and, uh, you know, Metal Gear fans are talking shit on it. If they took those fucking cutscenes that are trapped in that goddamn pachinko sheen <laughs> and made a full-on... MGS3 Snake Eater, the best MGS game besides MGS5 remake. <laughs> and it was that, it was titled just what I said verbatim. Um, then people would shit bricks and they would be, you know, falling all over themselves to go buy that game. So I just think the, the only reason you have so many people, you know, getting on their high horse, not that you're on your high horse, but there are yeah. people on their high horse about this is because it's not necessarily the Metal Gear game that they're looking for, so they don't care about not playing it, you know? Yeah. It's easy to say, like, oh, I'm going to boycott this when you're not actually super invested. But I'm telling you, dude, if they did that, like, oh, people would be all over that shit. So I, I'm, I'm still holding out hope. Please tell me you didn't just, you know, remaster all these gorgeous fucking cutscenes in the Fox engine for a fucking pachinko machine. Yeah. Um, well, I guess that's it for episode 86 of the Controlled Interest Gamecast. Uh, we'll have Dom back next week, and we'll be uh, chatting it up. Also, stay tuned, because uh, Ian Hink is going to be on the podcast uh, in February, too, which is really cool. No shit! So, that's going to be awesome for him to come back in. Uh, we might probably end up talking about Monster Hunter at that point, too. We'll probably have more time with it, and I know he's currently loving it, so that'll be awesome. Um, but yeah, if you can, please subscribe to us on YouTube if you're watching us through the video form. If you're listening to us on iTunes, please uh, give us a rating and let us know that we're uh, doing a good job or a bad job. Leave a review. Whatever you feel, the reviews help, period. Uh, give us your honest opinions on that so we know how to correct the show and make it better for you guys. Um, 
And if you are listening or watching on YouTube and you haven't gone to iTunes, if you can go to iTunes and give us a follow, even if you don't listen to podcasts or our podcasts on iTunes, that definitely helps as well. Um, we are on Twitter. I'm at Jared underscore. Jordan is at Mellow Modus. Uh, controlled interests. We tweet out all of our latest video uploads and stuff. So if you can, go to uh, Twitter and type in C-T-R-L-I-N-T. It's controlled interests abbreviated. And, uh, yeah, look forward to some more stuff that's coming out in the next month. Our, our new series and, uh, is coming you out. Know. So. While you're on uh, Twitter, sorry to step on that last little promo, Jared, but uh, while you're on Twitter, why don't you go ahead and just follow uh, Ragu Bagu Vids for me. You follow Ragu Bagu Vids. Yeah, uh, the homies. <laughs> the homies. Uh, sure, yeah. Um, that's pretty much it for this week. We'll catch you guys next time. Bye.